Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. So the gateway to River West is where we are this week on Urban Spelunking, Humboldt Avenue and North Avenue. A big development there planned uh, for a building that's been there for a long time. And everybody recognizes this building, right? Right. It used to have that really cool sign in the window that says, uh, please be civil, which, yes. is, which is gone now. It is gone now, yeah. Sad. Yeah, the artist came and, and took it back. So this is a building that was uh, a former rock club, uh, event venue, live music venue, and it's been a ton of different things over the years, and now has a future in store. It's been nothing, though, for quite a long time. Yeah, right? it hasn't been much lately, right, which has been sort of the issue. I mean, it's this sort of high-profile location, beautiful building. Everybody sees it and says, look at that beautiful building. Shame that the brick veneer has fallen off. It's but kind the- of an odd building, too. It just, it you know, if, if you are struggling to, to visualize what we're talking about here, this is right on the corner of Humboldt and North. It's a white building with some like green brick detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's three stories with a turret, right? Yeah, which runs- used to have a used to have a pointy top on it. It was best known most recently as Zach's in the seventies and eighties. Okay, rock and roll club. Um, after that, it was the Spruce Goose, a couple other things. But it's been quiet now for many many years. Um, so we've talked a, a little bit about what it's going to be, and I think it's it's time to reveal. So yes. what's what's the future plan for this uh, building? The future plan is to have one or two retail spaces on the ground floor and then a full a full floor condo on each of the two floors above. Okay. So at least two condos yes. and uh, two retail spaces. Potentially two or one larger retail space. Interesting. So uh, some people have groaned uh, yeah, there's a about lot the of, condos, I'm not right. really sure why they grow. I mean, everybody says we don't need any more condos over here, but Milwaukee hasn't really been building condos for the last decade because the condo market sort of bottomed out. And that in might be 2008. Like, what you just said there. That might be really surprising to people that uh, Milwaukee hasn't built that many condos. Because, no, it's apartments. Right, everything people, that's going up is apartments. Everybody and, thinks they're condos, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know they, they are upscale rentals, but they're rentals. Yeah, and a lot of the and I think a lot of those projects were. Developers building apartments that could be converted to condos mm-hmm. should the condo market come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I hear from developers, the condo market is coming back. I almost feel like at this point, any good development there is is positive because the building's been sort of falling apart and it's become sort of an eyesore. I mean, it's a beautiful building that should really be kind of a landmark yeah. right in that spot and not something we all look at and say, oh, what a shame. Well, coming up next on Urban Spelunking, we're going to talk more about the history of that building, a former Schlitz Tide House, and uh, talk more, too, about the amenities coming to those condos next. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. Pride, pride, pride. Well, these condos are going to offer some really great views, and uh, they really seem uh, like they're going to be pretty pretty great. Yeah, they're projected to cost, I think, in the 300s. And that's what I was going to say. Like, that seems like a pretty good value for that prominent intersection. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think either one of us. No. I can't speak for you, but you no. know, I, I you couldn't sh- afford you it. You sure can speak for me. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it doesn't seem out of line with the fact that you would have an entire floor. You'd have a private elevator, private, uh, you'd have a parking spot, you'd have a private rooftop deck, and that... Uh, that roof has amazing views. You've been there? You know, um, I have there? been, the third floor has amazing views, so I can only guess that okay. the, if you go a few feet higher up, it's even better. So amazing views, a private elevator, and your own garden uh, on this, this uh, you know, 
great intersection. And the location, location, location. That's right. right. And you got the you got Reservoir Park right there. Yep. You've got that gas station so you can get your snacks at night and fuel up, right? <laughs> You've got a pick you and got, save. You got a pick and you got everything. What more could you, you want? You go rock climbing right down the street. Yeah. That's right. Well, we're we're not selling the condos, so we'll leave no, that to them to, uh, yeah. to talk them up. It just makes you wonder like where Milwaukee's headed in terms of this more upscale lifestyle. Well, this is I mean, this is a national discussion really because people are moving back to cities. You know, cities are, I mean, this is happening all over the yeah, country in cities. Absolutely. Um, so it's it's really not unique to Milwaukee, but I mean, I think what, what the city needs is some balanced development. It's great to have these things. They create property tax, income, you know, they all this development. They bring amenities because you, as you have this, you know, influx of people in the neighborhoods, you get shops, you get restaurants, you get all this other stuff. But I mean, we also can't forget that, you know, there are more than three or four neighborhoods in the city and we need to invest in all of those. I feel like, I mean, we could argue whether or not they could be doing better at it, but I think the city does do that. They're, you know, they're trying to get all this money together to tear down dilapidated houses. They have, you know, the DCD is always trying to sell uh, properties inexpensively that need a lot of work, but, you know, to try, especially historic properties and commercial buildings to try and get people in them, which is what they did here. Um, They sell them inexpensively to try and bring new life into these properties that, that need that. And a lot of times, I mean, this happens to be in a neighborhood that's in demand, but a lot of these buildings that, that the DCD sells houses and commercial properties are not in these neighborhoods. Right. They're in all kinds of mm-hmm. neighborhoods that really do need development and homeowners and, and that kind of thing. It, it still amazes me just how many empty buildings there are, even in some of the hottest neighborhoods of Milwaukee. I mean, you look at this building right on the border of River West, the East side, Brewers Hill, super prominent, um, intersection in Milwaukee and yet this was vacant for so long yeah and you see the same thing in uh you know like in Bayview still has you know tons of empty buildings that used to be taverns and storefronts and things like that that mm-hmm. are either underused or just empty still and you, you see I mean just drive around anywhere and then that that's just two neighborhoods you know you mentioned obviously the conversation is a lot deeper than just those two neighborhoods you see so much emptiness around that that could be so much potential yeah and, and could be so much more well I think part of this also goes to you know, the retail part of it speaks a little bit or maybe a lot <laughs> to Amazon and things like that, yeah. where, you know, it, it's gotten harder and harder to keep a bricks and mortar independent business going. Well, let's back up and talk about the history of this building. Um, you know, we, we've talked about tide houses a lot on Irvin Spelunking. Um, let's just a, a quick refresher for maybe you haven't heard of a tide house. What's oh, a yeah. Tide, house tide houses were built by breweries okay. um, and then typically leased to an operator but who would sell only that brewery's beer? That sounds like a sweet arrangement. It was. Where did that go? I think it was. And a lot of times, a lot of times they leased, they sort of leased to own, you know, so like they would own them initially and lease them to these uh, tavern keepers who would over time buy the building. So a lot of times you see that these, the ownership changes, you know, Mm -hmm. but other times they held on to them for a long time. Sometimes they held on to them uh, for years and years and years um, what happened though is in 1919 prohibition comes in and they can't be bars anymore. Um, but some breweries held on to them even through prohibition. They, they were soda shops or, you know, candy stores, grocery stores. Now are these soda shops finger quotes or, soda are they, shops. or is it actually, I think some shop. of both. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I think some of both. Um, but then what happens is at the end when prohibition is repealed, part of the laws to repeal prohibition, uh, said that breweries could no longer operate taverns. So after it was done being a tight house, after that chapter closed, uh, it became all these different entertainment venues. And yeah, and it was uh, it was Humboldt Gardens for a long time. It's back to being a t- once prohibition ends, it's back to being a tavern. Was that a beer you garden? Know. Humboldt Gardens? Uh, Humboldt Gardens was it was a bar. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and I believe there was a place in there called the Mint for a while. And uh, but then Zach's is really when people of my generation <laughs> would remember this place. Uh, and that's who owned the building until until recently was uh, Damien Zach who had run Zach's okay nightclub. Did you ever play there? I played at Zach's once and the Spruce Goose a couple of times. Nice. Yeah. What was it like as a venue? It was fun. I mean, it was you know there I there were apparently some rough and tumble times before my okay. before my era, but um, the stage when when I played there, the stage was in the bowling alley part, that low part okay. where the bricks had fallen off in recent years. Um, that sounds like a great spot for a stage. It was a good It just spot. seems like very punk rock. Like it was. The bricks yeah, are yeah, falling yeah. off and we're in the old Well, the bricks alley. weren't falling <laughs> off at that point, but, you know. Um, but, yeah, so it was, a, it was you know, it had a, a, a stage and sort of music area on one side and then more traditional bar side, you know, so it was nice. Where does this fit into the, the whole conversation around North Avenue? You know, we've seen so much change on North Avenue uh, just down, you know, down the road, uh, same kind of things happening at the former BBC Hotel mm-hmm. Foster site, which we talked about, combination of uh, retail and housing, right? Well, I mean, this this really is the same as what's happening on the other end of North Avenue, right? I mean, it is um, taking something that used to be a bar, I mean, it's been empty for a while now, but and creating what I'm going to guess, but don't know for sure, would either be dining or retail of some kind. And residential, but that you know, that's the sort of the story of why people have been saying that East North Avenue is dying because it doesn't have the bar scene it used to have. But it doesn't look dead to me; it just looks different. You know, right? It doesn't. There's right, no. Yeah. There's no less life there. There's no. You know, there's. You could argue there's more because there's way more people living right there at that sort of major intersection. You know. Yeah, there's definitely more than one way to measure. You know how active. Right. I mean, just because there's fewer people drinking. You know, Getting sick on the street in the, in the middle of the night, I don't think means that there's less life. You know? Right. And I guess we're going to find out too. I mean, long term, if this if this was the solution, I mean, we're going to find out at some point if these mixed use developments um, did it. You know? Yeah. I guess right. we'll have to watch and see. It, it might be it might be decades or. Well, and the the thing is, what people remember as you know, we I talked about this with some people a few months ago, is that every generation on the east side thinks that their experience on the east side was how it always was which yeah. is almost never really the case, right. right? Because you look at how in the 20s, 30s, 40s, there was uh, tons more shops there than there were bars. That's like an old DJ thing too, where it's like play music for the room. Like if, if you read the room and you yeah. kind of think like, what were what were these folks listening to in college, you right. know, late high school? That's that's what they want to hear when they're DJing. And I think that might speak to North Avenue. It's exactly the same thing. Because it's like, right. those are your college days. Like I lived, you know, just off of North Avenue when I was in attending UWM and- it just seems like the good old days, right? Like I worked right. at the Pizza Man before it burned down, mm-hmm. and uh, now it's it's it is almost but unrecognizable. Believe it or not, but I'm not Pizza mad Man, about it. But Pizza Man was not there forever, right? Believe it or not, you know. And there's people who like might, would be my parents' generation that would say, "Oh, I miss Frenchies. I miss you know." There's all yeah. sorts of businesses that to them were as pure East Side as the things we think of as being the East Side that are gone, you know. And they rue those things the same way we rue the loss of. Pizza Man on North Avenue or whatever, you know. And I think the story of the East Side, really of any neighborhood, is change, right? I mean, nothing, it doesn't just stay the same forever. And that's good. Yeah, right? I mean, and I know it makes people individually sad because the things that were touchstones for them are gone. But it doesn't make it any less good for the city or for the neighborhood. So I, I don't see the downside. Right. I mean, it's it's different. Sure. I miss going into that pizza man that was there. I miss, you know, being able to see a show at the Globe. I miss Century Hall, all that kind of stuff. 
But you know what? There's other stuff there now. And the generation that's there enjoying that kind of stuff is going to grow up and think the same stuff about, about those places. Getting philosophical on I this am. episode of Urban School. I I am. Well, time will tell, and we're going to be tell. we're going to be watching that development. Um, and as we, you know, there is no firm timeline at this point. No. So time no. will indeed tell. Yes, it's in the architect's hands at the moment, and the developer and the city are all talking, and so magic's happening as we speak. Well, Urban Spelunking is produced by Tyrone Miller. Handcrafted Sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from On Milwaukee and your membership. Subscribe to this podcast at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts and on iTunes or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tenzalo. Thanks. Thank you, Nate.